Hey everybody, welcome to The Blacklist, the show where we interview the elite. And today we have a special, special guy. He took uh, time out of his day, and he's busy as fuck right now because he has a major, major conference. Um, but he took time out of his day to do this interview. So dude, Jerome, I appreciate you being on the show. Ulysses, thank you, bro. Really appreciate you having me here. No problem. So look, you are, um, how many times have you thrown this event, the Real Estate Domination This conference? is our fourth Fourth year. Yeah. And, and it's, it's huge. You have Dan Fleshman, you have Jen, you have Tom, you have Ty Lopez, right? Like how many, how many, how did you end up getting all these people to kind of show up to this conference? Cause um, you know, there's three conferences I'd say this weekend and like yours is probably the most talked about. Well, we've marketed it hard. So hopefully we have a lot of buzz going on right now. Yeah. You know, hopefully our marketing dollars have served <laughs> as well. Um, Ty and I are actually business partners in a few different endeavors that we do. So that would, um, but primarily he comes in virtually. So the hurricane yeah. in Puerto Rico helped us because he couldn't do his event that he was doing this weekend in Puerto Rico. Yeah. So he piggybacked and came out to Vegas. So but we were thankful for that. Dan Fleshman is a friend. Uh, Cole Hatter has been a big advocator for this one. And um, we've been able to pull a great team together. You know, some of the speakers that um, I wasn't expecting to pull in, we've been yeah. able to pull in. And when I say not expecting, it's because of the busy schedules. And like you said, there's a lot happening this weekend. Yeah. So we're, we're blessed to have such a great crew, great friends, colleagues, and um, it's all come together really well for us this year. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. I'm looking forward to it. For people that don't know who you are, this is like their first time meeting you, um, you know, give yourself an introduction. Who is Jerome and what do you guys do? So I consider myself more of like a business entrepreneur, but I'm known as like this real estate guru guy, right? Yeah. Um, that people classify me as. Um, but I started off in business. I was a multi-level marketing dude back in the 90s. Yeah. Um, got shut down in 97, the company I was in. And uh, I got into construction doing concrete work um, back in 1998. Um, we evolved into building homes and then into retail centers. And we've evolved. We went through the recession, almost got killed in that. And uh, we're doing a lot of stuff right now in the affordable housing sector of multifamily. Yeah. Um, but we still run our construction company. We still develop. Um, we're doing a lot of multifamily ground up, build and hold, uh, meaning that we build it and we retain it, keep it. Yeah. And that's our big push right now. But we have ownership in a lot of stuff from uh, the, the big brands that Tyot owns. Um, we, we run uh, real estate acquisition companies, um, investment companies, and we've owned everything from restaurants to, Damn. you know, beauty salons and you name it, we've owned a lot. When did it go from, you know, just doing real estate and construction to, you know, advancing more to that stuff? <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it advancing. Um, <laughs> it was more of a, a need to. Yeah. You know, it, part of it's, it, it's different. So a few of the things that we got into early years, pre-recession, were us looking for an easier means. So for those people that are looking for greener pastures, that was me, right? Like I just wanted, construction's a hard industry. Yeah. Um, employees, customers, the fulfillment, you name it, it, it's hard, you know, like, but what I found over the last 25 years is that everything's hard. Yeah. So I was in, I was in search for the easier dollar with a better investment um, and an easier way. And so I was doing all this different stuff while I was, I was moonlighting on my construction company, trying to find something that would make me as much as the construction company did, um, but less headache, less stress. <laughs> I never found it. I'm still in construction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> But it's um it's been a great it's been a great road and I um and so I got into stuff like I owned coffee shops and juice bars and we, we owned a um we owned a dance school when the recession hit I opened up beauty salons and, and I bought into the subway franchise and I was one of the largest subway franchisees in the southwest at that time 
Um, and the reason we did that was because we had empty retail centers. Yeah. So in the oh, beginning, shit. it was a ploy to fulfill leases and give our retail centers life. Yeah. Um, and so we put beauty salons and subway stores in them. And I didn't want to run the subway store, so I bought more of them so I can create an infrastructure Makes of sense. middle management and you know regional um, people and just so I could have multiple stores and could afford to have the staff to run it for me yep. so that I could focus on what I was doing, which was trying to keep my head above water at that at that point in time. Yeah. Well, yeah. And did, did it change? Um, and when you're saying pre-recession, what time frame are you talking about? So that's like from 1998 all the way to like 2007, 2008. Okay. And so we were, I had retail centers going up. That was our big push in the development sector. We were doing a lot of re- retail, ground up construction, yeah. new build. We were also doing a lot of value add in retail and we were doing subdivisions, residential, single family home subdivisions, and, um, and even single family buy a lot, build a house, yep. single lots. Um, and then we had our concrete company, which we still own today. We opened that up in 1998. We're still pouring mud every Damn. day. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Dude, I have, uh, actually, now that, now that you're saying that, I have uh, one person who messaged me and he's like, dude, you got to ask this guy this question. So um, let me find it really quick because, you know, he's going to get mad if I forget. All right. So this question came in from Miguel Miranda. He said, how was it that you broke into the land development world? And what would you recommend one should start doing to also kind of break into that world? Um, I got into it the same way I would advise for other people to get into it. Um, I get a lot of people coming to me. They go, I got this massive lot, right? They'll come, I got 19 acres. When I say massive, it's anything more than um, just a single build. Like you, there's, you got to do stuff to it. When I mean stuff, it's like, I got to put in curbs and gutters and utilities and street cuts. And I got to widen roads and do turning lanes. And I got to do all this stuff to make a development go. Like, that's not really the way I would advise anybody to get started because it's a great way to go bankrupt if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And so it's a little bit more of an undertaking. Now, evolving to that is, is important. I think it's great. But I got started buying a single lot, building right. a single house, and I was successful because I made about 85,000 bucks on it, right? Like, that's success. I still had my company. Um, I, I called it like my moonlight cash because I did it on the side part-time. Um, didn't take from my company. I'd show up, check on it a few times a week, yep. made phone calls. You know, I didn't even have an admin in those days. I was doing a lot of it myself. My wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, would help me with little stuff. Um, and so I made it work, right? Um, probably worked, burnt the candle on both ends of the stick, which is probably no different than what I do now. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, and then I, I got in, I, once I did one, I did two, then I did four, then I did six, then I did eight. And, um, and then we, we, we found a sweet spot at 12 homes a year. And I was able to do that with one superintendent, one admin, one superintendent and myself, and then still run wow. my entire concrete company. And we'd make over a million dollars net profit every year. Yeah. So f- while I was doing that, I was buying value add stuff. And I got into the development side on, like, on the retail by, through owner financing. I'd buy these old torn up buildings. You guys all know them. They're everywhere. You, you see them around town. They're shut down. They're boarded yeah. up. They look ugly but they're usually like block buildings that are made out of like masonry block. Um, so the, the, the structure itself is solid, but the building itself is dead sin ugly, right? Yeah. So you come in, we put a new front facade on it, storm. We put in the nice aluminum storefront glass and doors. And that was our little business model. We stripped the front, whatever was on, wrought iron, all kinds of ugly wooden doors, whatever it was, all mixed match from over the years. Yep. We'd restucco and repurpose the outside, put a new roof on it, put new storefront glass, strip the insides down to nothing, paint them white take off the acoustical ceilings, bring them up to the trusses, paint them black. And that was it. Yeah. And we leased the suckers. <laughs> Dude, and, and why did you end up transitioning then to, you know, now where people can, you know, people know you now, right? Like I would say you, you, that's, that kind of business is not necessarily a business where it's like online. 
right? Where you don't necessarily need a face, but correct me if I'm wrong. But um, now you're much more of a face, right? You're throwing events. You're starting to become more of like a, you know, we're not starting to because you already are like yeah. a household name. Uh, why make that switch? And when did you make it? Um, I made it in 2018. I started looking into it in 2016. After the recession, I felt stagnant. I felt like I worked for free for five years, literally, just to keep my head above water. Yeah. And it felt that way at the time. Um, so for those of you guys who are putting time into a business and you feel like you're, no, you're not going anyplace, sometimes that's part of the game, unfortunately. But at some point in time, you got to make a conscious decision to make that not a part of the game and really make some moves. And so after beating myself up, I felt like I was working my job, my business like a job. Yeah. And I felt very redundant showing up to the office, doing bids, doing projects. Then the year would end. And then again, you know, and I got, I got scared. Um, I, I got so beat up in the recession. I didn't lose nothing. I didn't go bankrupt, but it was so much work to get through that, yeah. that I retracted from development. I, I, then I kind of moonlighted with a, a few houses and, um, and I would buy a little retail building, but I stayed real small and I just felt unfulfilled. So in 2016, I told my wife, I go, you know what? I, I just, I need to do something different. Like we haven't really made like a massive move like we did when we were younger. And I had never even had a Facebook page. And so I tried doing this yeah. in all honesty with no Facebook page, never being on social media. And I started learning about the multifamily build. Uh -huh. um, I landed up uh, selling a bunch of junk that I had bought in, in Phoenix. And it wasn't junk. This stuff was like an, an, a gold, a dream come true of gold properties that were like class D garbage. So anybody's familiar with like the 202 in Phoenix and 44th Street between 40th and 44th Street, okay. right off that exit. I owned all those ugly ass fourplexes there. <laughs> and I accumulated 64 of them and along with 12 single family homes. And I acquired all of that stuff for under a million dollars. And um, I bought it cash during the recession and that stuff would cash flowed for me. And it, and it, so in 2016, I sold it. I made it, I, everything, all the single family homes I bought for between like 28 and $40,000. I sold all of them for over six figures for over a hundred grand. So <laughs> a nice profit yeah. on each of them. Um, sold the fourplexes as a portfolio package for, and I sold everything for like two point uh, $3 million. So I took a $900,000 investment. We sold it in my net out, my, my net out when I had cash in the bank, the sale was actually for more, but it was 2.3 million. Yeah. So we were able to take that and, um, and dump that into an apartment complex. And I'll tell you guys, I wasn't, I, that's why I say I'm, I'm a construction guy, entrepreneur, business guy, more so than a real estate guy. Even at that time, I just still didn't even know what a cap rate was. I was going around looking at these properties. When you think, invested inside of the, inside yeah, of the, oh yeah, shit. I just, my whole thing was like, I'm a math dude. Like I just, I, I just add up the expenses. <laughs> I look at my returns and I'm like, shit, that's I like good. that. I like that number. That's yeah. a good number. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> yeah. like, that's how I did. I wasn't, I didn't know, I didn't overcomplicate it. I think people overcomplicate stuff. I bought, you know, I went in, I bought a $7.8 million apartment complex like that. Yeah. Yeah. The brokers and that was your first cap one? Rates. That was the first one. And so I'm sitting here Googling cap rate. Cap rate. You know, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I was sit, literally sitting there doing that. And I, and I remember calling my wife, like, yeah, I mean, I need to figure out this cap rate bullshit. You know, like these guys keep talking to me in numbers of cap rates. I'm like, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. So, um, so yeah, I buy a, an $8 million apartment complex or, or just shy of, and, um, and this thing's cash flowing. I think I'm a badass because I owned a hotel in, in 2006. I go, I'll just run this sucker myself. Like, how hard can this thing be? You know, I'll just I'll run this thing myself. I'll manage it. So I fired the management company. I, like, I was like on this high horse that I was going to do this great thing of managing this deal. And then I was like, holy shit, this is a pain in the ass. Yeah. And so about nine months into it, I said, okay, property manager. 
right? Like I didn't want, I want, I didn't want to squeeze off that extra, those extra percentages to hire a company in. Yeah. So I bring on a, a, a property management company and the property does so much better. I'm making just as much as it was when I was managing it and I'm auditing paper and I'm like, okay, like this is the deal. Like right here, this is the deal. Right. This is true passive income. So I bought another one nine months later. Um, and so then I had two. And then I, I started looking at numbers because I get real analytical when it comes to numbers. And then in 2018, I said, okay, these things are surpassed what we had paid, where they were at pre-recession. So I got scared because I was like, oh my, you know, now we're going to get to a recession again. Yeah, yeah. So 2018 rolls around. I get into the public space because I want to start raising capital. I want to scale this thing. And so I, I decided to tail into 2018 that I was going to do this. And I was like, I always called myself kind of the quiet giant. No one knew who I was. I loved it that way as it were my Converse, my motorcycle shirts, drive my Harleys, ride my dirt bikes, and just go to work and make millions of dollars. And no one knows who I am. And I yeah. can just be me, right? The yeah. crazy Jerome that I am. And, um, and I was like, okay, I told my wife, well, if we do this, like I'm going to go in like all out. Yeah. Like, it's not like there's, there's no in between. Like it's like, I either do this or don't. And so I set up a Facebook page on uh, February of 2018. And then we opened up all platforms yeah. and I dumped about a million dollars in two years into a lot of nothing. In all honesty, I, like, I didn't know what like I was doing. Like ads or what? Or- oh, you name it. Ads, um, com- ads yeah. uh, companies that were, um, that were supposed to help us do events back then, uh, companies that were going to help us do social media marketing, you name it. And no one was able to fulfill it. Yeah. And the truth was, like, I can't even blame them. I wasn't ready. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know what my message was. Yeah, yeah. So we, um, so I needed to figure that out first. And, uh, and it took me a few years to figure out what my message was, what I was even trying to do. Um, and I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to build these apartment buildings. So I started buying land and building apartments. And um, we now use it as a tool to raise capital. Um, we're changing lives because we're educating people. We're making, getting, helping people go in and generate capital they would have never been able to do without us, building homes. So pretty freaking cool. You know, so if you would ask me, Five years ago, when we started in 2018, if we would have been changed this many lives, we'd be doing this. I'd have probably told you yes, but not in this way. I, I, I didn't know that we were going to evolve to this in this exact direction, but I just allowed the business to unfold. And like I told my wife, she would ask me sometimes, she goes, every business we ever opened, you've made money. This is the first one you have. When do we start making money on this one? <laughs> yeah. And I go, I don't know, but I will. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? So we, uh, so we, we have successfully are making profits in our business now doing this social media no. stuff. That's good. But what, what was the change like within those two years when you're like, yeah, I spent a lot of money, but didn't necessarily know what I was doing or didn't want to, you know, go all in. Um, what ended up making, you know, that change where you're like, okay. Time, man. It. It's time. Like, look, look uh, there, there's no recipe for this. Like you either have to figure like I do this, you have to be adamant about what you're doing first and foremost, right? Yeah. Like you got to actively be moving towards something, you know? And I knew I was moving towards something. I knew what, you know, I was, I was trying to model like after Ty. I was trying to model after Grant Cardone. I was yep. trying to model after these guys, but not knowing the recipe on the internal back. Like, there's a whole business behind this. Deal. Yeah, like, yeah. People don't realize it. Like, they just think you throw up a, a deal on on social media and like you get known. It's not. It's a business, just like anything. And there's a system to this business. And the thing is, this is uncharted territory. There's only the, the people like Grant and Ty yep, and yep. Gary V and these guys that have been at it since like 2007, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve that are now household names because they figured it out. Right. But it's not taught anywhere. It's not taught in school. It's not taught anywhere. So you're creating a business that's not taught anywhere. You just got to figure this out. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I just knew I'd figure it out. I've been through this multiple times. Um, this one took a little longer than other ones. 
But while I was going through that, I just knew that there's, just like anything, if you're a real entrepreneur, you know that shit takes time. Yeah. Period. Hands down. And tech is not my shit. Like, that's not my deal. You know, I, I am horrible at it. I don't like it. I've embraced it because we have to. Yeah. Um, Can I say one thing real quick? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you're saying tech is not your thing and you have two phones right there <laughs> yeah, with bro. you, dude. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I have to embrace it, right? I got two yeah. phones. Um, I got a full team. And when I say that, it's, it's the world's evolving, man. You got, you got to evolve with things. And, um, and some people come in, they go, Jerome, can I make it in real estate? I'm like, yeah, you can make it in real estate. You can make it in anything. You got to put, you, once you make a decision, you just got to focus and do it, right? right? And not everybody can afford to lose money, but that's what's great about being broke and getting started is the fact that you get creative when you're broke. The problem with having money is you lose creativity. And so one of my biggest problems creating this business was the fact that I had money. And I, I say that because I would throw money at stuff and then I'd be like, oh, it's 20, 30 grand. And then I'd keep working, right? And I'm like, I tell them, well, it's, it's a tax write-off. Fuck it, let's just go forward, right? Yeah. That's a bad thing to do. Yeah. Like you just don't do that. Like when you're broke, you can't just lose nah. 30 grand. Yeah. Right? So, um, so it's almost a hindrance to have money when you're really trying to get creative and build a business sometimes because you don't have that same um, have to because you're not just trying to put food on the table. Like when you have to put food on the table and you got to make it, it's different. Yeah. So, um, this was a, so it did take us a little bit longer. We yeah. had some distractions. It, it happens. Oh, um, life. Well, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, one thing that I'm, that I'm noticing is that you're very good at putting teams in place, um, and understanding that things, that these things are businesses, the event that you're throwing, that's a business, right? It is like, uh, and, and this is a fourth one, right? Yeah. Fourth yeah. one. Um, they, you know, I threw, I threw my first like actual like conference, uh, like two months ago or something like that. And yeah, it's, it's, a. Uh, completely different ball game, but you got to look at everything like it is a business. So how did you end up uh, throwing your first one? And then did you end up losing money on that? Or, you know, did you just crush it out of the park? No, I, I'd say we lost money on the first one, um, but it was smaller. I was real conservative. I got a nice little suite um, down at the Hotel Irvine. Um, it came with inclusive AV and stuff. So we kept it really inexpensive. Um, we probably lost our money on the, on the food and beverage side of things. Yep. Uh, not really knowing how the whole event world has been a long time. I, I was, I'd speak on stage for other people back in the nineties when I was in multi-level marketing. I never created my own stage. I yeah. never rented my own ballrooms. Um, so we learned really quick. Um, but because we kept it conservative, I, you know, I, I never overspend on stuff. I always kept things simple. Um, I only buy what we need. Yeah. Um, it's one way I've always ran my, my companies. Um, I figure I'll learn. And if I don't have, I'll figure out and we'll, we'll acclimate. Um, our second event, uh, was, uh, was COVID. So we did it virtually. That was successful. We made money. Yeah, I went, yeah. <laughs> I went to a, a preset studio like this yep. and we recorded it and it was awesome. Um, I go, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. But the next year we went live again. Cause I was ballsy. You know, we just, that's just me. I'm just, I just, I go, ah, COVID's over. Let's like hell with that bullshit. Let's, let's get yep. moving in life. Right. Like, yeah. let's go live. And so I was one of the first early bloomers back into the event world in November of 2000. Uh, was that last year or the year before? No, that was last year. So 2021, right? So, so November of 2021, we we're still coming out of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And so they said, are you going to do it? And I kind of teeter tottered in the summer. And then I said, you know, I got to make a commitment. Let's just do it. We're going to do it. We're going right. to commit to it. We're going to do it. So I still stayed a little conservative. We had about 220 people there. Uh, we marketed it, but we didn't know what to expect. We, we had a, a better turnout virtually than we had live, yeah. but not as good as when we did it virtually inclusively during, and our show rates were way lower because people were back living again. Yeah. 
And then, uh, and then this year I said, we're going to scale the shit out of this thing and we're going to make a run for it. And so in spite of the recession, which it was, it's been a hard sell because of the, once mainstream media starts marketing recession and interest yep, rates yep. and expenses and all that stuff, it works against you. Um, so you has got to market harder. Yeah. And so we have 700 plus tickets sold. Um, uh, we got the main ballroom there in the, in the, the convention center, MGM, and we're going to blow it off the, we're going to blow it out of the roof, man. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this your last one? Because I think I saw that somewhere. Yeah, it's our last real estate domination. So it's not our last event. It is going to be our last real estate domination. We we're pivoting right now. Um, and so for those people to follow our content, they know that I've been in the multifamily ground up part mm-hmm. of construction. We have now built a platform strong enough where we can scale the shit out of what we're doing. You know, like um, this year we have over $150 million on our books of new development, yep. um, close to 180 million, um, depending on how you value it in this recessionary market. Right. Um, but next year, I think we can do a quarter billion dollars in new development on our books and we got to fulfill that, right? Like yeah. buy the land, there's, there's revenue that needs to come along with that. So we're, we're scaling this, um, into a different direction. And um, we're, we're going more towards like Grant does 10x growth com more to raise capital than anything. And his whole yeah. goal at the end of that is like, what's my, like I can raise $30 million at 10x growth com out of this conference. We're going to pivot in that direction. Okay. So we're going to do a very similar pivot to what Grant so, has done so, years back. So what's the difference then with, uh, with what you're doing right now? Are you not making a pitch on, you know, people, for people to invest with you? Um, not not directly for people who invest with us. It's more on the educational platform. So we're getting a lot more entry-level people, which is awesome. We still would want to embrace entry-level people coming in. Yeah. But we had hyper-focused on that. And so what, what happens, though, when, when we've done that is there's a level of affluency that we actually need to scale. So we want to be able to broaden that because if we only focus on that, it hinders our capital raisability. So what I noticed, I got these, I got these multifamily syndicators that nobody in the world knows. They don't, yeah. haven't created a social presence, but these guys can raise more capital than I can. Yeah, yeah. And, and then I got to go to them and I give them a third of my deal just for their money. Right. And I'm like, shit, like, why don't I just like do this myself and I'll give the money back to my investors that love me, advocate for me and give that money back to them, right? Yeah. And so that's, that's the pivot is that instead of giving it my money to somebody that nobody knows and is just, and that's raising capital for me, let me give it back to the people that are really advocating for my brand. Yeah. And let's make them some money. Yeah. Which, which will create more raving fans. Oh you know? yeah. It'll just help us scale. Yeah. You know? No, I've heard, uh, I mean, well, I've seen when, you know, Grant says like, man, there's people that have never engaged with my stuff, but the moment I opened up, you know, a fund or whatever, like they write me a check. Right? Yeah. And, and right now what you're saying is, you know, you've hyper-focused on a lot of people that were probably, you know, new or, you know, things like that. And they've been watching you forever. But now that you do this, it's like, hey, you're going to get people that have been watching you for a while that want to now work with you. And then, you know. Do and we're, we're going to continue growing our audience. Newbies, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're new or not. We're going to continue working with you. But we need a, we need, when that's all we're getting. We're expanding into both. Like we want to keep the newbies. We want to continue helping those folks um, because those people will become investors, right? They're, yeah. Yeah, they're, sure. they're fourth and fifth graders that some someday are going to be 18 years old and in the working world. Right. Yep. Yep. So we got it. We got to raise, we got to raise our family, right. We're going to scale this out. Um, I, I, uh, I told my wife, I said, look, like we're really kind of done. Like we can, like, we're good. We've done really well. Like I finished off a few more of these projects. Like we have hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I go and, and she goes, what's the goal? I was like, I can't let it go because of one reason it's my kids. And I don't want what happened to me, um, during the recession to happen to me again, where I like got stagnant. 
And I said, there is no frigging way with all the work I put into this, no matter how much money we make, that I'm going to stop. I get to a billion dollars, I give a shit less. It doesn't matter to me. Like we're, we're good. Like we'll live fine forever, right? Yeah. Like we're good. But for me, it's like my kids, like life's already hard enough to figure out. And I've already beat my head against the wall for all of us enough, right? So my whole thing is like, why make them do that? Yeah. Like they have to work. They have discipline. They have shit they got to do. You know, my kids aren't getting no free ride, man. My kids work harder than most adults, man. They're in so yeah. many sports. From My son gets up at 4, 4.30 in the morning every freaking day. How old is he? He's uh, 14 years old. He's a freshman in high school. Goes yeah. to zero hour. And he's he doesn't come home till 8 o'clock at night every night. You know? Damn, And yeah. we raise them, man. We raise them like soldiers in athletics. And so, um, you know, what they do with it is up to them. So my kids get no free ride. But I could tell my wife, I said, why do I want to put them through that grueling agony of having to figure shit out? And if I pull my foot off the pedal because I'm selfish, then I do my kids a disservice. I do people a disservice. And so my whole push was like, I'm just going to keep this shit going. My kid, my son's going to be out of high school in four years. Yeah. And, um, and he's going to understand the real world quicker than he, and he wants to. And when he does and he comes back and embraces this stuff, I want to be there for them so that I can teach them how to do what we've done. Because it doesn't matter what you want to do. This is, is interesting to almost everybody. Right. So, right. And I think you lead by example. When we were outside, you know, you were saying like, dude, I don't miss, you know, gym day. Like you can do anything else, right? But you got to get in at least, you said an hour, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so what are other things that your, you know, kids are saying, uh, you know, from you? Hopefully they see some bad stuff too. They'll see me <laughs> rant and rave, cuss someone out on the phone sometimes. It's just not a good thing to, to, to do with your kids. Some, but they get it, you know, I, they, uh, they, they're around dad. I think the biggest thing is we all make our mistakes and do, and we leave bad examples in our kids and hopefully they learn from, um, that side of it, they learn from my wife and they take the other good sides from yeah. me. And um, my wife's a real good example in that regards. And not that I'm a bad example. I don't go around uh, doing that on purpose, but- No, dude, you're you not know, a bad we, example. You know, we, 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 we all do dumb shit. And so, um, but they pick up a lot of your habits, right? Um, they don't even know. It's just the way we, we run our household. And my wife and I have been together so long that she's acclimated to my craziness. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, in spite of what she even thinks she knows, like she has, she's acclimated to my craziness. And so we're raising crazy kids and, um, and hopefully they're just crazy adults and they just go out and do crazy things compared to the average world, right? That's, you know, I, uh, I hope they embrace that stuff. They're watching us do it. They, um, the events, even one, I make them get on stage. Nice. Uh, get them out of their comfort zone. Nice. And, um, you know, want to make sure that they, they're a piece of all of it. Yeah, yeah. Last question here, because um, this is fascinating to me. So you've done uh, a lot of stuff and kind of like I was mentioning, you're really good at putting people in the right places. Um, at least, you know, from from what I know now, like how do you determine, you know, the shit that you're probably just not good at? Or like, you know, like you said, I'm hiring a property manager here or a property management company or doing this. Like, you know exactly kind of where to hire people to make sure that you're kind of not necessarily in the weeds. Not, not necessarily right off the bat, right? Like you find weaknesses and when I, and usually when you notice them when you're scaling at a point where it becomes a nuisance, you're like, and, and typically I don't hire till it's, it's alarming. And so when I say that, <laughs> when I, it's alarming, it's like, I'm sitting back and I'm frustrated about something. I'm on my team's back. And then I recognize, I sit back and go, well, shit, that's really not their job. They're not really a professional in that. All they're trying to do is help me. And I'm bitching them out because they're not like, we're, we, there's a missing link. Yeah. Right. There's a missing link. There's something missing. And so then you have to sit back and you have to recognize that that's what's important is recognizing it. Because if you continue doing that, you're going to drive your team into the ground. Right. And right. so you got to recognize it. I, I'm good at, at recognizing stuff. And uh, one thing that I've done is I've tried to eliminate employees and tried to onboard professionals. And what I mean by that is I, I have a lot more 1099, um, I wouldn't call them employees, but 1099 
teammates yeah. and, and sort of staff. Um, they're independent contractors, but they're professionals in their own regards, right? Like right. With what they do. Um, I've done in the development industry where now, instead of me being the general contractor, I don't wear that hat no more. I hire general contractors, but I know the industry, so I, I manage them. Yeah. So I'm managing a professional. Um, I've done the property management thing. We've ran our own properties and we don't do that anymore. We onboard a property management company. We've recognized the tools that they offer. Yeah. So we're able to shave off right. and utilize them as a tool. And in a lot of, in a lot of instances, people don't realize this, but I save money on like 941 taxes. I save money on wasted labor. That's their management now. And then I just get a true professional or a true company to help me. And so that has eliminated a lot of waste and it's also um, helped me scale. And so, you know, there's a lot of that. You have to recognize what you need and what you don't need. You shave off what you don't need and you onboard as fast as you can what you do need. Yeah. Powerful, dude. Well, you know, I appreciate you being on the show. I know you got shit to do. Um, yeah, but thank you. Where can people find you? Yeah, just uh, my, my name will be in the show notes and uh, Jerome Maldonado, I'm everywhere. Just Google me. Go to Instagram. The only difference on Instagram is Jerome Maldonado on the number one. And uh, everywhere else, just Jerome Maldonado. Pretty easy to find. All right, dude. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you, brother.